we, uh, you're going to be introduced to the meal team, and if you've been around Skyline very, very long, you know that the meal team takes care of people when they go through a, a, a part of their life where coming out of the hospital, had a baby, just different things where it would be really helpful to be able to bring a meal to them for a little while. Um, this one uh, we're going to take to another level. Um, Linda Madsen has uh, been a part of our family for a long time, and uh, she's been struggling with cancer for a long time. And uh, it's, it's really gotten rough. And so we're going to, as a church, take on this meals uh, project. And it's long term. We don't know how long it will be, but it's long term. And so we need a bunch of people to be involved. Um, the way that you do the meals for the most part is you make your meal and you just make twice of it. You take, make twice that much, unless you have eight kids. Don't, don't make that much. Uh, you make extra for uh, uh, three more people. And... Then you either freeze it and be able to take her later, or you do you do it that very night. You're like, okay, I'm going to run this over and and do it that way. So if you'd like to be a part of that, um, you're not joining the meals ministry. You're saying, yeah, I want to help with Linda and, and and take meals to her. Just put that on your connection card if you would. Put that on your connection card. If uh, for some of you, you're going to be so excited, just go talk to concierge. They'll get you all set up and, and take care of you. And away we go. It was uh, 1988. And uh, we had finished college, and something happened that allowed Lori and I to be able to go to Disney World, which is a huge deal for us. Uh, we'd never been on anything like that uh, before. Actually, I don't think we've been on anything like that since. Um, and uh, somehow we were able, we we're going to be able to go to Disney World. And with, with those types of things, you always, you always have these expectations. And so for me, being the husband, my expectation was that she would, uh, she would now have time to really be able to focus on me. It'd be pretty romantic. It'd be uh, really cool the way we'd be able to connect. Um, I, it was just going to be a great time, and that was my expectation. Um, there's a few factors that impact that, that expectation. One is uh, we were staying at the campground, and where you, Disney World has its own campground, which is really cool, but you're still staying in a tent. Number two is that Christopher was, I think, seven or eight years old. Um, Erica was six, Alicia was four, and Alexis was two. So what do you think the chances are that you go to Disney World and she's going to have more time for me? <laughs> it doesn't make sense, right? How many times in your life have you went into and fallen head over heels in love and then as you worked your way out in that relationship, the, the misunderstanding or the wrong expectation has crumbled that relationship. It's caused you to go, wait, that's not, that's not, what, I, that's not what I was expecting. Many, many times, as this case, you never verbalize your expectations. I never told her any of that. I just was mad by the time Wednesday came. I never said a word to her about this. And many times we do that too, right? We don't verbalize our expectations. So as you walked in today, you clearly saw that something a little different is happening here uh, at Skyline. Today is ministry fair, and that's when we get a chance to expose you to the different ministries. And yes, the goal is that you will go back and sign up to check out ministries. There's no way around it. That's exactly what I want you to do. If I can figure out how to get you to go back and sign up for them right now without saying a thing, I'd probably just go, go do it. Because yes, today that is what I want to see happen. 
But along that path, uh, oftentimes, and it's not always wrong to do this, but oftentimes we give what the byproduct of getting involved in ministry would be. Look, get involved in ministry, you're going to build great relationships. We use that byproduct quite often. Get involved in ministry and you're going to be able to change somebody's life or impact somebody's life. We try not to say you're going to change the world. Because the world's really big. And the idea that you can change the world, mm. well, you can change, right? You can impact somebody's life. For many people, they're like, why do you get involved? Why do you do this? Oh, it just makes me feel so good. It's great to see the faces on other people's lives. It just makes me feel, that's a byproduct, right? It's a byproduct. But we're talking about falling head over heels in love. And we started with this idea that, okay, what's the first thing about falling head over heels in love? One is you don't work at it. You don't go, okay, now you need to love God. Now get out there and love God. That's not how you fall in love. And so then we went down that journey and we found out, yeah, the first thing we found out is we don't have the power to keep our promises. And changing our behavior isn't going to change that. We don't have the power to have a relationship with God whereby we can stand before God and be in love. Why? It's not in us. And then we learn, in the phrase we use, we learn that through Christ offering his, res, his righteousness to you, that he, would, he, he offers to make you everything he ever dreamed you would be. At that point, you're like, whoa, yeah, that would cause me to fall in love. Wait a minute. He's going to take me from, I can't keep my promises, I don't have a chance to give me his righteousness? Yeah, that, that's awesome. Then we walk through the byproduct and the fact that even though there's incredible byproduct to falling, love, falling head over heels in love with Jesus, that's not what it's about. It's about this promise that he will make you righteous and take you to heaven. He's going to change you from the inside out. Yeah, there's awesome byproducts, but that's, that's not how you measure it. And then last week we learned about the blue card. And uh, I hope a number of you got a chance. We had great conversations in life groups this week. Uh, it was really fun to hear the different things that came up. Um, I hope you practice the blue card as we found out, wait a minute, he's, he's actually given us the power whereby, wait, 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 more sin, more grace. Yeah, that's right. When you believe Jesus for these amazing things and what he's done, it's not don't sin, don't sin, don't sin. It's, yeah, go ahead. But you don't want to sin if those four things are true. Like it changes you. Just it's that's where I fall, fall, fall in love with Christ. Every time I interact with that. I had the, the most unusual and coolest, one of the coolest compliments I've ever gotten. Uh, somebody came for the first time. They never met me. I'd never met them. And I may not use the right words, but when he was leaving, he came out, he goes, you know, that was, that was really good. Thank you, that was good. He goes, that's probably the best you can do, right? <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's kind of all downhill. But you know something? You know something's amazing about that? He's right. This is why. That truth 
that Jesus would put me in a place, more sin, more grace, where he would put me in a place that even though I was born without the ability to keep promises, and even after he's given me my righteousness, his righteousness, I still struggle like crazy. He would, he would do that for me? That's it for me. Like that's the mo- I think that's the greatest thing about Jesus. And so he, he's right. When I talk about that, I get really fired up. Like that, that, I'm falling in love with Jesus. So today we're going to talk about how do we fall in love together? How do we fall in love together? It's called community, right? Now, he has set us up, and we're going we're to see a little bit even more of it, but he has set us up to have this incredible community, whereby what? We all fall in love with the same God, and then he calls upon us to fall in love with each other. Like, that should create this amazing community. Now, everybody wants community. It's a really big deal. The company you work for talks about community. They talk about you being on the same team, you're the same, you're a family, and you're a, right up until the time they don't need you anymore, then you're not really part of the family. I mean, nonprofits, uh, gyms, oh my goodness, gyms are awesome at this. Gyms have become churches. They really have. Like it's this community, right? This is this group of people and we're gonna work out together and we're gonna look awesome together and away we go. Why? Because we want that. Let's find out what God has to say because there's, there's, this, there's, a, there's a problem with community. Because it, it's often, often, oftentimes that which we dream of and that which we experience, they're not the same thing, right? The expectation we had it didn't come through. So in, in our lives, how do we, this little church, this little group of people, how do we fall in love with Jesus together? How do we experience that kind of community? So we're going <clears> to <throat> jump in in uh, Romans 12. We're going to work through a, quite a bit of, of passage today, quite a few verses. Um, I, I want you to hear them. For many of you who've never heard these particular verses, I, I want you to hear them. Plus, I'll, I'll comment on, on them a little bit as we work our way through. Uh, therefore, he says, therefore I urge you. Now this is, comes at the end of Romans. This is after he's given you all this amazing truth about Jesus. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Okay, three things. One, this is a response. I am going to do this because of what Jesus has already done for me. I'm going to look in view of the way that Jesus has loved me. I'm not doing this to get Jesus to love me. I'm not, getting this, I'm not doing this to get someone else to love me. I'm doing this because, wow, look at all of what he's done. If you weren't here for the first few, verse, uh, first few messages, either get it online or get it through, um, um, I think we have an app for it and that kind of thing. Listen to those verses so you can understand what this first phrase means. And the second thing is that it's sacrifice. It's sacrifice. You cannot sacrifice and keep it at the same time. It says he calls upon you to sacrifice. And the third is that it is, it is again, it's this act of worship. He goes on to say, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Just a little sidelight to this. Many of you are trying to figure out God's will. You want to know whether you should buy that house and what you should do with that company and what you should do with your job and what you should do on and on and on. You want to know what the, and, and, and as soon as you get all that stuff worked out, you're going to get involved in ministry. That is upside down. It is upside down. You're praying and praying and praying and praying. This says, no, no, no. First, sacrifice your, your body to God. Then, conform to what he has to say, and then you'll know. You'll know what it is. So, he, he kind of lays the, this out first. This is his response. And then, secondly, he tells you who you are. He says this, for, the, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. Don't think of yourself here. He's not saying think of yourself here. He's saying see yourself as who you really are. in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. Now listen to this line. And each member belongs to all the others. This is who you are. This is not the company president. This is not the local whatever group you're part of. This is God. And God says that once you come to know Christ, we belong to each other. I belong to you. You belong to me. And he's gifted you. There are no normal people in this little group of ours. There's no throwaway people in this little group of ours. There's none of you here this morning that aren't critical to us. I'm not saying that. It's not that you're not critical. Like, it's not that you're important to me and you're important to no, no, our church. And No, no, no. This is who God says you are. Think of yourself the way God says you are. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy, and he's going to walk through these different gifts. Uh, if, in accordance with your faith, that if it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's encouraging, then encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. Many of you are really good at leading at your work. You're good at it. You're gifted. Or you lead in other places of your life. You're, you're actually good at it. You're gifted. You're, you're a leader. Did you know that gift wasn't given to you for you? It was given to you so that you could lead this little group of people. So you could lead individuals to go from where they are to another place. That's a cool thought, right? The gift of helps. And you just love to help. That wasn't given to you so you could feel good about you. That was given to you so that you could be a part of this little group of people. 
and really impact other people. If it is to show mercy, then you show mercy. Then the next, he kind of he he lays out, okay, this, what would this community be like? What would these relationships be like? He says, love must be sincere. Love must be sincere. Now, this is critical for us falling in love together. We've come from all different places, and you have lots of different ideas about what church is and what God is and all that. I think this is, this is what's important. This is what's important. Okay, this is super clear. Authenticity is what's important. It's that you're real. It's that if you watched me and, and you watched me go home, I'd be the exact same person at home that I am here. You wouldn't see any difference. Now, if you've hung around with us enough, you know that that's pretty much me and Lori. We take this really seriously. You can come over to our house anytime you want. People do. They really do. You can walk into my house anytime you want. As long as I got my clothes on. <laughs> Why? Because I'm not one bit afraid of this. Because I buy into this. It's authenticity. It's, right? Does that mean you won't see sin? No, you will see sin. You will. That's authentically who I am. And so this love must be sincere. So we're not going to manufacture it. We're not going to love each other because we have to or we should, or we're, right? It's a matter of falling in love because of what Jesus has done in our life. It's, our, it's this response to him. Hate what is evil. Sorry, guys, I didn't finish that one. You pop back for me. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. That's brotherly love. That's the kind of love that you're like, okay, I love seeing that guy. When we pull into the parking lot, I know we don't have one, but if we did, we pull into the parking lot <laughs> and you see the person across the parking lot, you're like, man, I love that guy. I love that guy. I love that guy. Why? He's part of me. We're part of each other. We belong together. I'm devoted to that person. I want what's best for that person. Hate what is evil, clean to what is good. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another above yourselves. The Bible teaches this crazy principle that I owe you love. I actually believe this. It's why it scares me. It actually does scare me the bigger the church gets. Because I owe every one of you love. The Bible teaches that I owe my neighbor love. The Bible teaches that I owe the person at the DMV love. Why? Because Jesus loved me. He's poured all of this into me, and then I owe them. The, that you really are more important than I am. We try to practice this. We try to practice that the most important person in our church is the person who has not walked through those doors yet. That's what this church is for. We owe them love. But we also owe that to each other. 
Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. And, and kind of the key piece at the end, right? Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. What's that mean? My house is not my house. My house is your house. That's what I want this campus to be. I want this campus to be. This is not for us. It's for the people that we're going to bring here, right? Hospitality. Now, wouldn't that create an incredible community? Wouldn't you expect that if that's what we're going to do, if that's what we're going to practice, if that's what we're going to pour our lives into, wouldn't you expect our church to be amazing places, a place? And wouldn't you expect other churches to be amazing places? But there's often a difference, right? There's often this huge difference between what I expected it to be and what it turned out to be. Matter of fact, for some of you, you've gotten involved in ministry before. And you were so excited. It's going to be great. It didn't turn out so great. There's things that happened along the way that for some of you, you've even said, you might be here this morning, but there was a time in your life when you said, I'm not. I'm not going to church again. Because there was a difference between the expectation and what happened. Or you got involved in the ministry and you tasted it, and there was a difference between the expectation and what happened. So I've asked uh, one of our ministry leaders. She is eminently qualified to talk about this. She's our Sky Kids leader. And one of the statistics about our church is we are one-third children. We've always been one-third children. Like, we probably always will be one-third children. She's going to talk about this a little bit and, and share a little bit about her story. Hello, everyone. I'm Erica. Um, thank you. Welcome. Welcome. Um, so I wanted to tell you about Sky Kids. And Sky Kids, uh, we have big dreams, okay? And Sky Kids, we, we started Sky Kids with the dream that we are going to love children. Uh, no matter where they come from, no matter what's happening, we're going to love them. We are going to teach them God's truth, and you know, the more we get to know them, the more we pour into them, the more they see God's truth, then they're going to make decisions, and they're going to want to follow God, and we're going to be able to help them by letting their parents come to church, so then their parents will make decisions, and their parents will want to follow God, and it's just going to be this amazing thing happening that God's going to use Sky Kids to, to, to transform these lives. And... Um, then Sunday morning comes, and we have these following people show up, okay? First, we have our first child. We'll call him Henry. Henry shows up, and his entire week, all he has listened to is his parents scream at each other back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So he shows up, and he's like, I'm just ready to scream. Who am I going to scream at today, okay? Then we have... Uh, Sylvia, she shows up, and her friends have been picking on her all week. And for some reason, they've chose this week that they are going to let her know that she is just ugly. She's just not pretty. So she is convinced that she is, is not pretty. Uh, then we have Laura, and she barely gets to see her parents. So um, she spends most of her time 
um, at school or somewhere else. And so she doesn't really get to see them. So when she shows up to Sky Kicks, she would love to tell every single story that ever happened to her in her entire life in the hour and 15 minutes that we get to see her. So we have those three plus um, probably seven other kids show up to a small group. Okay, that's just one small group. And then we have our small group leader. And our small group leader, she comes in and she has... um, had the worst fight that she's ever had with her husband the night before. So she shows up and she's like, oh man, nothing's going right. Like, what am I gonna do? One of her kids is, is failing at school and she's like, man, how am I gonna help them? I gotta fix my marriage. I gotta fix my kids. I gotta, how am I gonna solve all these problems? But she shows up, right? So she, she comes to church and she's like, okay, I'm ready for this. Like, I'm gonna love these kids. I'm gonna do this. Our, our slogan is we're gonna be, be prepared. Um, We're going to be on time and we're going to be present. So we're going to focus on the kids while we're there, right? And so she's like, I'm going to focus on these kids. I, I, I practiced, I know what I'm doing. I read my, my curriculum last night at 12 o'clock and I am ready to go. I am really, really ready. And so she shows up and the kids come in and half of them are like, hey, how you doing? And she knows these kids, right? So she has a dream for them. She has a dream that she knows them so well that they are gonna wanna listen to her and they are gonna, they're gonna respond to the truth that she's teaching them. And as they, they listen and they know her, cause she knows things about them. She knows their pets, she knows their favorite colors. She knows all these things that she's worked so hard to learn. And that because of this, then they're gonna respond, right? But instead of responding, what they do is um, Henry comes in and as soon as he gets in there, he just gently nudges someone else and the other person goes, oh my goodness, why are you hitting me? He's hitting me, he's hitting me, right? And so the small group says, okay, you, you put out that battle, right? Then you're, okay, everyone sit down. One, uh, one, two, three, all eyes on me. One, two, three, all eyes on you. Okay, today we're gonna, do, we're gonna learn a great lesson. This is what we're gonna talk about. He is sitting too close to me. I told him to scoot over. He is sitting too close to me. Um, um, I just want to tell you that yesterday in class, we had this really, really cool presentation on bees. Is there something you want to tell about the lesson from, you know, what we're learning? No, but the bees were really cool. And so what they do is, and so then she wants to tell this whole story. So now you've got 10 kids with all of their own things going on and this small group leader's up there and she's trying to teach them. And she gets through one of her five activities that she was supposed to do, okay? One, because she had to put three kids in timeout. Someone else got a strike too. She had to call Erica to come help with the other kid. And she's like, this was a fail. She gets done with the morning. The whole morning was a fail. It was a wash. She's like, I failed, I failed God. I failed these kids. I couldn't lead them. I couldn't teach them. They didn't learn a stinking thing, like not a thing today. And so she goes home and she's upset and she's frustrated and that's a Sunday morning. Um, But I have now worked in Sky Kids or led Sky Kids for um, over 10 years or yeah, a little over 10 years. And um, there are so many mornings that are complete fails for so many of our leaders. Um, But I just want to tell you a couple of the stories that have come out of those fails. One is... um, (laughs) This, the time that this kid showed up, his first service there, it's a brand new family, they come in, he literally escaped from Clubhouse, 
Okay, now this only happened once in my 10 years in Sky Kids. In fact, I think it's only happened once in the history of Skyline, but he did, he literally escaped, okay? So I am searching like everywhere, and this is when we were at the other building. So I am running around, like he could be anywhere in Clifton. Like, I don't know where he is, where is he? I'm crying, I can't find him. Like, that's a fail. Like, you can't fail worse than letting a kid escape from class. Like, there's nothing worse than that. Go to find out he escaped, he went back to his mom. So not only did he escape from class, but his mom knows that he escaped from class. Like, that is terrible. They are never gonna come back. Like, that is horrible. The same kid has come back. He's accepted Christ as his savior, and he's gotten baptized. And sometimes he serves on Sunday mornings here at church. And that's an epic fail, right? Like, you can't fail worse. And that's what God um, came out of that. Um, We have other kids, a couple kids actually, who... For the first three to six months of coming to Sky Kids, I literally would have to hold their hands and their feet so that they would not kick the leaders and the other kids in Sky Kids. And you laugh, but this is actually true. Every Sunday, sitting with them, holding them, some of you have seen me gently pulling them. I don't know if you can gently and pull at the same time, but very nicely, as much as I could, pulling them to their parents because... It's a fail, right? I mean, that's a fail. Like, how am I getting through to these kids? That same kid um, comes to Awana programs. He says verses from up here. He leads our Awana program now and, and making it the rest of his team want to save as many sections as he does because he's an excellent verse memorizer. He got honored at his school for his character. And there are certain weeks when he actually serves on a ministry team here at Skyline. And he's only in Clubhouse. Um, we've got other kids who come in, same thing happens. You just get to see them fail, fail very, very bad. And then um, six months later, a year later, they're running in hugging you knowing you love them, even though it felt like a fail. So, as you go about going back through and walking your way through the, uh, the different ministries, this is what I want, I want you to grab a hold of your heart, because this is what causes us to love, fall in love together. One is, worship is a response, not an investment. Worship is a response, it's not an investment. When you worship... Or when you do ministry as an investment, we're going to change the world. This is going to happen. I'm going to make such a difference. This is going to make me feel good. Whatever it is, when you do it as an investment, there will be a huge difference between your expectation and reality. You do it because Jesus has so loved you and you've fallen in love with him. If you do it as an investment, you will quit. Because ministry at Skyline is about taking people who do everything backwards. They do everything that God says about how to build a healthy life, and they do it exactly backwards. And piece by piece by piece, you're going to love them, and you're going to love them, and you're going to love them, which means they have victories and giant failures, and victories and giant failures. And in that process, you're going to get hurt. But we don't do it because of what they're going to produce. 
We do it because I'm in love with Jesus. That's why I do it. Number two, worship always looks forward. Worship always looks forward. What do you mean? I mean we follow Jesus, and Jesus doesn't sit still. He's moving forward. One of the coolest stories of this is there was a family, uh, it was good friends of my daughter Alicia in California, and they were partiers. So every, they lived for the weekend. Sometimes they started on Thursday. They lived for the weekend. They lived to smoke pot, to drink, and do whatever the things you do after you can't remember what you're doing. They lived for it. It was their lifestyle for years. And then a relative of theirs who they found out was sexually abused, was a little girl. They had a chance to have her come live with them. Alicia said, in two weeks, no more partying. That's out. They changed their lifestyle. Now, did they change their lifestyle because God came along and said, you got to change your lifestyle. You got to get sin out of your life. You got to do this. No, they changed their lifestyle because of where they wanted to go. They understood. I can't get there and do this at the same time. When it comes to ministry, we do ministry, we do it as worship. We sacrifice our body, our eyes, our resources. We sacrifice them. Why? Because Jesus is going somewhere. And to go where Jesus is going, this goes away. And I'm going to replace it with something else. Number three, you have a meaningful gift to sacrifice to someone at Skyline. Guys, this is really key. There is no such thing as Skyline, the organization, that's important. We are not going to get to heaven and God go, wow, you built quite an organization there. <laughs> that campus, the way you, that was really nice. And the, the, lots of people really enjoyed getting together. That's not it. It comes down to individuals. It comes down to individual lives who are what? They can't keep their promises. Their byproduct of their life is devastating after devastating after devastating. And then they come to know what it's like to be loved. And they come to know what it's like to meet Jesus themselves. You see, you are specifically, you, not the church, you have been given a gift or two. And that gift can be used to impact individual people. You. It's your choice. Whether out of falling in love with Jesus, you go, yeah, Jesus, I understand that gift is from you and I'm giving it to you. Whatever you want me to do, I'm, I'm in. Or if you go, I just don't see it that way. Number four. Falling in love together looks forward, not back. It, it, when you worship God, when you sacrifice your, your life to God, it's because of where you're going, not to prove something. It looks outward, not inward. You do not get involved for ministry because of what it's going to do for you. If you do, you'll quit. You get involved in ministry because Jesus loves me and he loves them. 
And if Jesus loves them, Jesus loves them, I'm going to love them. I owe it to them. It looks up, not down. So as we pray, I invite you to interact with the one who gave his life for you. The one who calls you to build your life on grace. Because we're going to ask you to go back and interact with whether or not you would take this step. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I've fallen head over heels in love with you. And throughout my lifetime, there are so many times that I have turned it into an investment. I'm like, Jesus, I'm going to do this. I'm going to sacrifice for you. And I started in that place, but I ended up in the investment place in every time. Even though I've seen you do amazing things, I have seen people's lives change in ways that it's all, it's miraculous. But when I do it as an investment, I look back at it and I'm like, no, not enough. I expected more. I expected easier. I expected glory. I expected on and on and on. Lord, help us as a people, help us as a, as a church to grab a hold of you and this amazing truth. No, no, no. You've done all of this for me and I'm falling in love with you and therefore you can have everything I have. I sacrifice it to you. I give it to you. Jesus, impress upon each person here. They have been given a gift that if they apply it to the people in your family, you're going to use it every time. Help them to see their essential. It's not like, okay, it doesn't matter. You know, I, I can use it for the, I can do it, I can not do it. It doesn't matter. It's up to me. Help them to see, no, no, no. When they do that, we miss out. Why? They're essential. They're critical. And that out of their love for you, they would sacrifice that gift to you. As we sing, Lord, I pray that just some awesome conversations go on between you and each person here. In your name we pray. Amen.